0: He is dealing with lung cancer. This is a nephew of Larry Beamer. That request is from Larry Beamer. Uh, let's remember uh, uh, here, let me get here. Ro- uh, Rodney and Jennifer Ham. Uh, for them to turn their lives over to the Lord fully. That's from Shelley Ham. So let's be praying for them. For Wilma Gentry, Mass on Pancreas and awaiting to see the oncologist. That's from Sarah Meyer. Let's remember Rob Bostick. Uh, cancer treatment, uh, this is a brother-in-law to Glenda and Barry Henry, so this is from Barry Henry, let's remember this one, and then let's remember Ann Rowe, she was admitted into the hospital last night, and they found her heart was in AFib, she has been is nausea, nauseated and very dehydrated, please pray that she doesn't have any blood clots, and this is from Christy Clue, so let's be praying for this family as well. We're going to open up and go to the Lord in a word of prayer this evening. I'm going to ask Jason, if he would, to just take a step in front of the door and open us up in a word of prayer this evening. Man. We've got a few announcements that we want you to remember. Uh, don't forget Tuesday night, 6.30 to 8.30, Kids Club Youth Group. We thank the Lord for what's been going on there, having a great time. Don't forget that. Thursday night uh, is Men's 33 Series. That's over in the Fellowship Hall. They'll meet at 6.30, go through some of the Devotion Series, and then they'll hang out for a while and play basketball. Been having a great number of guys come out for that. Friday night is Paint Night over... Uh, in the fellowship hall. Don't forget that. Young Adults Bible Study, February 18th. That's uh, Saturday at 7. And then WMU meeting next week. Don't forget our midweek service. Don't forget the fellowship meeting, Saturday, February the 25th. We want to make sure that we announce this. Everybody's aware of it. Kennett Square Missionary Baptist Church. That's at 7 o'clock, the meeting. 6.15 for the executive meeting. Don't forget that. Also, Choir Clinic. Friday through Sunday, February the 24th through the 26th. Make sure that you get a bulletin if you're planning on going so that you can see the times each day that that'll be held. It's not uh, always in the evening, but make sure you get that so that you know what time it is each day uh, as we go through that. Don't forget also our Bible Exposition Conference, March 15th through the 18th. Uh, I do have a schedule now, and I'm going to share that with Becky, and she'll post it on Facebook of when everybody is preaching. And uh, so we've got Dale Vance with us, Cogan East, Jake Potter, and Stephen Cox all be going to be doing some preaching for us. We'll have morning sessions as well. We're looking forward to that. And then church directory photos. You've seen it in here before, April 20th, April 21st, April 22nd. And then there's group photos that are going to need to be taken, and we're going to have to adjust those a little bit, right, Ruby? Ruby's in charge of that. She's so excited to be in charge of something. Amen. And uh, because she's really power trippy, in case you didn't know that about Ruby. And uh, she's looking forward to that. But uh, we're going to have to do our deacons and ushers, Sunday school teachers, and look out for announcements for that. Uh, next week was supposed to be deacons and ushers, but some of them won't be here, so we're going to move that down the line a little bit, all right? So make sure that you see all of that. All right, we'll have our ushers come for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings, and uh, it's awesome we're getting these little pamphlets in here. This is our story. Kurt and Jen are in here this week. Read all about Kurt and Jen and their exciting life, amen? Right, Jen? Where, where'd Kurt go? Oh, there's Kurt. Amen. All right, sneaking up on me. And also, I want to make sure that you see this. This is a Friday night singing on March the 31st at New Beginnings Baptist Church, and it'll be with the Lindsays, a great gospel group. So, uh, Becky, let's post that on Facebook as well so everybody can see that uh, and make sure that they can mark their calendar and share that with them. All right, Kurt, why don't you ask the blessing on the offering this evening?
1: Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can uh, come to you
0: uh, one more time, Father, here this evening, God, I pray that you just watch over this service tonight, Lord. Be with the one that would stand to preach, Lord. Let us have the uh, the words that we need for this hour, Lord. Um, just watch over. us, so, Lord, we thank you for the service this morning. Lord, we pray for the, uh, the offering, Lord. Let it go to the furtherment of your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's 269. It's 269. Everybody stand.
2: let
0: gonna sing first right whichever way you want to do it just let us know what you need microphone thank
1: you bro. I appreciate it. all right thank you so much and uh, my name is Daniel Jones is my, my family and we're from Mountain City Tennessee and uh, my background's in the medical field I'm a PA my wife's an RN and um, we the Lord gripped our heart with this truth many years ago uh, that medicine will help people for a short while but the only thing that will help them for eternity is the gospel of Jesus Christ and and we began to pray how the Lord would use us and we uh, did medical missions now, Bible case, for about 10 years, and went full-time with it about a year and a half ago, prior to that, served as a pastor of Mount City Baptist Church in Mount City, City for about four years, but I'm going to have my girls make your way on up. Uh, pastor asked us to <clears throat> sing a couple songs for you all, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about the ministry. Thank you all for having us. you for the props chamber. Uh, man, great, great. If I'm a little out of breath right now, it's because I played uh, a game of indoor soccer, and that's what's going on. And we have had a blast, and uh, I told you we're going to leave Tuesday, but we made us stay. We made us move. it. But uh, we really appreciate uh, your hospitality, and girls, why don't you all go ahead and sing? so um appreciate that family you did a good job and uh, he's worthy that's why we do it Um, i work with operation renewed hope And our theme verse is out of Matthew chapter 9, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. And we try to follow that model that Christ did. He went around healing people. We use medicine, uh, but the primary thing that we do is preach the gospel. We do that everywhere we go without apology, and Jesus, he saw the multitudes because uh, they fainted, that means they were overwhelmed with the affairs of this life, and uh, we meet people all over the world, I meet people all over Mountain City, Tennessee, I meet people all over Pennsylvania, they're, that's what they were just overwhelmed with life, and they're ready to give up, but there's sheep having no shepherd, so I'm glad that I can say the Lord is my shepherd, that's the greatest thing I can say, and preaching the gospel of Christ, we can introduce people to the good shepherd, and our motto is touching the heart, reaching the soul and it's been a wonderful to meet your pastor and I believe a lot of what we do is what you guys are, sounds like you're already doing, and I think it's wonderful, I think everybody ought to do it, uh, but we do medical clinics, um, we take medical, dental, optometry, uh, and we will uh, go to a village or somewhere and see the entire village and they'll come through and we'll, we'll do, um, give everybody free care. A lot of places we go, they have no health care. Uh, we usually take teams of anywhere from 30 to 50 people we get our translators involved sometimes our teams are as many as 70 people Uh, we spend a year in advance planning these trips there's a lot of work that goes into it we always obtain government permissions for everywhere we go to do a medical clinic we usually have anywhere from you know four to six doctors or PAs nurse practitioners we have a couple dentists we have optometrists, we take nurses, we take medical and non-medical. Um, we do that several times a year. We just got back from Cambodia and uh, got to preach the gospel to around a thousand people and many, many responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we follow a model in Acts chapter 14. This is missions in a nutshell. Um, but in Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas were sent out of the church of Antioch. And this is what they did on the first missionary journey. And this is what we try to uh, follow the same pattern. Number, number one in verse 21, it says when they had preached the gospel. That's what people need to hear everywhere you go I don't care what what uh, dialect I don't care what people group what ethnicity I don't care what their presuppositions are from their religious background you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. And there's something special about the gospel G it's The power of God and salvation. And it will get the job done. It will convict people of sin. It will change lives. And so we preach the gospel everywhere we go. The number two, the Bible says, confirming the souls of the disciples. So uh, discipleship, great part of the Great Commission, very important. We do not go anywhere in the world where we don't have somebody there that is going to be there long term to follow up on spiritual work and disciple people in the right doctrine. And so we we, we spend a lot of time making sure we line up with people correctly. Uh, They agree with us, we agree with them, we walk together on that. And um, so that's, that's a big part. And then the third thing in verse 23, it says, when they ordain the elders to every church. And so that's a long term vision that people get saved, they'll be discipled. Maybe God will raise up a young man that will become a pastor in his village and, and pastor the church. And we've seen that happen. Operation New Hope has been in existence for 30 years. Uh, we've seen that happen in Panama and in Uganda, Africa. And um, so we, we, um, I'm, I'm big on the local church. I don't want to do anything that's not tied to the church. Um, so we want to be a part of either. Planning a church or helping strengthen a church, but everything we are is tied into local church ministry. We want to provide a platform for uh, medical professionals to serve the Lord on the mission field. And uh, we also do a lot of disaster relief. We follow the model in Acts chapter 11. Um, and the end of Acts chapter 11, this is also the church of Antioch, and, and the prophet Agabus stood up and he talked about a great famine that was coming. And um, the Bible says the church of Antioch, every man according to his ability, they determined to send relief to the brethren which dwelt in Judea and which they also did and sent it by the the elders uh, by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So a lot of Saul's, the offerings that he collected was for people in need. And so we try to be that agent. We do a lot of disaster relief. We use that as a platform for the gospel. Um, we're working if there's a disaster in America will respond. We worked Eastern Kentucky, the flooding there. We worked Hurricane Ian in Florida. I've got some teams that that do that. I've got a contractor, he's a fully supported missionary. He goes down and he'll organize work teams. We take work teams from churches to these areas. Uh, We we funnel a lot of funds at churches. They'll donate through Operation Renewed Hope. We have very little overhead. We don't have a brick and mortar. Uh, We don't have a lot of administrative costs, so we channel it, but we also are very careful about where those dollars go. Um, When somebody, when we send money, somebody sends money to us, we send it to a, a place. We check the people out, make sure they're preaching the gospel, number one. Uh, we make sure they give us a detailed expense report along with receipts on where that money's going and we don't send them anymore and so that's a very important thing to do with disaster relief. We're working in Ukraine right now on three different fronts. I was in Ukraine in September Um, uh, we're working right now where we've got contacts in Syria and Turkey um, and we're going to be working there as well Uh, we're working in Haiti but that's an ongoing thing um, all all the time. Uh, We've got upcoming clinics coming to Kosovo um, bolivia uganda ghana and um so we've got a table back there if um if anybody's interested uh, we'd love for you to sign up get our emails uh, learn about upcoming opportunities grab one of our brochures we'd love to get to know you we love having young people go with us and i believe pastor t- he takes young people too i think that's great uh, jeremiah says my 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 affect my heart and you get young people on the field we want to see young people go into missions so we take we have a boot camp in june we train young people it's kind of like a survival training uh, we do just, uh, just CPR, first aid, survival skills. We, they live on the land basically all week and um, dig their own latrine. It's pretty rough, it's pretty rough but they love it. They, they'll come back, and. but the teenagers that graduate from that, we'll take them. We'll train them to be missionaries, take them on a trip with us. The ones that come out of this boot camp will take to Bolivia with us. So if any young people out there are into that, and I hope and all of you should be, it's, it's a wonderful thing, ages 14 and 19. But, uh, Pastor, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for the singing and for sharing what the Lord's put on y'all's heart. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. Later on, we're going to give you an opportunity to, to give to this family. And uh, thank you for sharing everything. What a blessing that was. Daryl, come around and lead us in a song. On the last verse, we'll have a choir come up.
2: 460. Happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Savior and my God. Well, may this glowing heart rejoice and tell its right. Alright, choir in this last verse, come on up. Tis done the great transactions done. I am my Lord's and He is mine. He drew me and I followed on, trying to confess the voice divine.
0: their trust
2: in the wisdom of another some search for light in the dark but like a child
3: Family with us tonight, uh, Plato Shepherd called me and said, "I got a fellow I think you need to uh, meet and uh, so uh, if, if you don 't know this, uh, Plato's well known to our church he 's preached here many times, uh, and so then I finally got in contact with him, and it took us a little while, but we finally kind of got the circle round and round till he was able to be here. so we appreciate the fact that he 's here tonight, and we appreciate the ministry that he's doing and reaching so many people. And of course, uh, our congregation, we know the benefits of uh, using medical missions to help propagate the gospel. It just opens so many hearts. It opens whole communities uh, to the gospel. It makes such a tremendous difference. But we're gonna give you an opportunity to give tonight. So we're gonna ask our ushers to come uh, and uh, we're gonna take up an offering for them and everything you give tonight. will go to help them in their ministry Uh, And on the road, and I was looking at your little, your least little boy while y'all were singing, and uh, I remember those days very well. When my daughter was about his age, we were somewhere in the middle of the country. I don't know where, but just somewhere in the middle of the country, and we had to stop that night and get a hotel uh, on the way. And I'll never forget when she was getting out of the car, she said, please, Daddy, no numbers, no numbers. But you, <laughs> you know exactly what that means. That means no Motel 6 or Motel 8, please. Uh, but that's what we did. That's the way we got from place to place. So we know that feeling very well. But we're so glad to have you with us. And uh, we're going to ask our congregation to give as the Lord directs. And I know he'll bless you for it. I'm going to ask TJ to ask God's blessing mm-hmm. on the offering. Lord, it's once again we thank you for giving us the opportunity to be in your house, Lord. We just thank you for this family, Lord. We just pray that you would bless their mission, Lord. Bless their work, their ministry, Lord. Lord, That uh, they may see souls saved for you, Lord. A church is planted, Lord. We just thank you for their willingness to go, Lord, wherever it would be that you would call them, Lord. We just pray that uh, you would be in our service, Lord. Be with the pastor as he stands to preach tonight, Lord. Just give them the words we would need for the hour, Lord. Bless the offering, Lord. Help it to go to the furtherment of your gospel. In your name we pray, amen. Amen.
2: 363 I stand I have found a friend in Jesus he's everything to me he's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul the lily of the valley in him alone I see All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole In sorrow He's my comfort In trouble He's my stay He tells me every care on Him to roll He's a lily of the valley The bright and morning star He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul Last verse He will never, never leave me nor yet forsake me here While I live by faith and do His blessed will Oh, all of fire about me, I'm nothing now to fear He, my hungry soul, shall fail then sweeping up to glory to see his blessed face where rivers of delight shall ever roll he's a lily of the valley the bright and morning star he's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul amen you may be seated
3: Amen. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to the book of Isaiah, and we're going to be in Isaiah chapter number 28 again. If you'll remember, last Sunday, I made mention of the fact that I took this passage of Scripture and actually the message that I'd already prepared uh, for uh, Isaiah 28, and um, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember exactly how this came about but I do remember that yes that was um, uh, that was the Sunday I, I do remember that I said we were going we were going to look at a different passage of scripture out of 28 than what I'd originally intend to but I can't remember whether it was the Sunday morning or the Sunday night that we said that so whatever time it was that I preached I don't ever even know when I'm supposed to preach. I have to call Michael and say Michael Michael, am I preaching now or are you? So, uh, but uh, anyway, so I, I do re- remember that we looked specifically at the cornerstone. If, yeah, I do remember that. And we looked very, very specifically uh, at that passage of Scripture where it reminds us that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. We took our message from there. But actually the message I had prepared before that and was intended to preach it before that Uh, was looking at something out of the same group of verses, but looking at something a little bit differently. And so I used some of that material as we were talking about the chief cornerstone, uh, but I want to come back to it, uh, and I know we've been in 28 for several sermons now, but I want to come back to it because there is one small specific thing that I want us to notice in this passage of Scripture. One of the things I like about preaching the way, uh, the way Michael and I often preach, and that is in the same book uh, over and over again, is we're at least we know we're going to be able to stay in the same context. And that is so very important. So don't forget what we said about the chief cornerstone. Don't lay that aside, but add to it what we're going to talk about tonight in that same group of verses. So we're going to look at Isaiah chapter number 28. We're going to begin in verse number 14. Uh, and we're going to read down through and including verse number 17. So if you'd stand with us, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Wherefore, hear ye the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because ye have said, We've made a covenant with death, and with hell we are at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through... It shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters shall overflow the hidden places. Dear Lord, we pray just for a few moments you'd help us to center our attention on the Word of God. Lord, I know it's been a long day, and I know we've had a lot of things to do. And uh, Lord, many of our congregation have been involved in many things throughout today. But Lord, for a few minutes, we pray you'd help us to return our focus to the Word of God and draw from the strength of the Scripture something that we need to know, something that will make a difference in our Christian life, and we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor for it, for we make our prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. All right, you may be seated. I want us to take a look at this opening verse, verse number 14, and notice Uh, who the Lord is speaking to. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord. Now, this is Isaiah speaking, but he is speaking on behalf of the Lord God. You know, sometimes when we... Uh, when we hear preachers preach, uh, I, I wonder if they're really speaking on behalf of the Lord. You know, I just, just to be honest with you, especially some of the preachers that we've heard through the years on TV and even some on radio, and, and you're listening to them and you're thinking, I, I wonder if he really got that from the Word of God. Sometimes I'm pretty sure they didn't. Amen? But that's what we need. We need to hear from the Lord. And Isaiah is truly giving us the word of the Lord. But I want you to notice who he's speaking to when he's bringing the word of the Lord. Herefore, hear the word of the Lord. Ye scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Now I want you to take note that he is speaking to the political and religious rulers of the day. The political and religious rulers of the day. And I'm just going to throw something out here. Uh, This wasn't in my notes or anything, but uh, just this past week, we've been working on some stuff. Uh, Most of you know that after my father's passing, we've uh, had to do a lot of different new things with the GPA that we never had to do before. And so we're putting together a new website page, and on the website page, we were putting up our statement of faith. And so I went back uh, and looked to see the statement of faith that my father uh, had originally put put on there, and he used the 1963 Baptist uh, Statement of Faith. Uh, and uh, it was revised in the year 2000 I think it's been revised again since then but I know it was revised in the year 2000 and I went back to read the 2000 update of it and it took me brother Gwen about three minutes to figure out that we weren't going to use the 2000 version Uh, we were going to go back all the way back to 1963 and use the version uh, of the statement of faith then because the 2000 version has decided that a lot of things are up to us, you know, you can just you can make up your own decision about what you believe about God, you know. Uh, and you know what? I don't I don't believe the Bible teaches that at all. I believe the Bible teaches. That we're to look at God the way the scripture says we're to see him. We're to understand him as the way uh, in the way that the scripture, the word of God teaches us what we need to know and how we need to respond and even how we need to behave when it comes uh, to the things of God and Christ and the, and the work of his uh, uh, ministry and, and even in our day-to-day lives. And a lot of people don't want that anymore. They want to make up their own rules and they want to make up their own own mind about how that they're going to live and Isaiah in chapter number 28 speaks to the rulers of Israel and he said hear the word of the Lord what you are doing is not right It's not right. And you know what I say? I say to politicians and and I say to people in in places of power and prestige, uh, it's time to wake up and realize that what you are teaching our world is not right. It's time for you to turn around and and take a new look uh, and, 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 and see what's really happening. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to bring this out is because As I was reading this, uh, passage of scripture several weeks ago. I had already been reading some things about, you know, I try to keep up with what's going on in our world and, uh, and what's happening. And I was reading uh, quite a number of things that had to do with education uh, and where, uh, where public education uh, is going, where they're headed. Uh, and uh, not, ju- not just in, the, uh, in elementary and high school, but uh, in university level as well. And as I was reading all these things, uh, it really struck me Uh, And and it really went right along with what I was reading from the book of Isaiah. Uh, And and I want you to notice what he says here. Look at the next verse, verse number 15. He says, hear the word of the Lord in verse 14. Ye rulers, uh, the people that rule in Jerusalem, because ye have said we have made a covenant with death and with hell, we are at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Now, the, the, the language might be just a little bit confusing, so I'm going to try to explain it as we go along. But I want you to notice, this is Isaiah calling out the leaders and saying, you're making a grave mistake here. They are not afraid of judgment. Why are they not afraid of judgment? Well, because they've made a covenant with death and with hell. We are in agreement. I believe that that same covenant and agreement has been made with many, many people in, in, in our culture today. You say, well, I don't understand that. What do you mean they've made a covenant with death? Well, the first thing that came to my thought uh, when, when I read this was the Gothic culture. And we all know about that, you know, this love of death and this, uh, and this you know, uh, glorifying of death and all of that. Let me tell you, death did not belong in our world to begin with. You know, you hear all these people say, well, death is just part of the natural cycle of life. Actually, it's not part of the cycle of life because when God created Adam and Eve, they were not created to die. They were created to enjoy fellowship with their creator for all of eternity, but they fell into sin and their sin, the Bible makes this exceedingly clear. Their sin brought death into the world. God did not create the world for death. Sin brought death into the world. It didn't belong here in the first place. And when God calls us out of this world, off of this planet, to meet him in the air, then he's going to reinstitute a world where death does not exist. If If you ever had to do the funeral of a child, you know that death doesn't belong here. If you ever had to to go to a grieving family when they lost their teenage son or daughter in an automobile accident or or a tragedy or a disease that, that they couldn't find the answers to and you had to go and try to comfort that grieving family, you know death doesn't belong here. God God never intended such sorrow and pain and suffering to come into our lives. And that's why we have to look forward to a new heaven and a new earth where death is not there. I had to say goodbye to my dad a little over a year ago. Now I had to say goodbye to my mom uh, a decade ago. and, uh, and, And, boy, that was hard. But it was a whole lot easier because I know where they are. And I know that one day I'm going to see them again. That's not what's going on here. That's not the covenant with death. That's not the agreement with hell. That's something totally opposite from what you and I have. We're looking for victory over death and hell and the grave. We're not looking to have an agreement with them. So what is he talking about when he says they have a covenant with death? Well, I got to study in what people believe about death today. And you know, one of the things that makes it difficult in the United States sometimes to to witness to people is a lot of people no longer have a fear of death. They, they, They don't. And you say, well, why don't they have a fear of death? Well, they don't have a fear of death because so many people have told them That when you die, you just you die like a dog, you know. It's over. You're just dead like a dog on the side of the road, and there's no existence after that. So enjoy your life here while you can, because you're not gonna live anymore once you die. It's all over. We're we're gonna you know uh, we're gonna be stardust. We're 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 gonna float around in the universe, and we're gonna be part of uh, uh we're gonna be part of this ethereal thing that has no feeling or sense or meaning. We're just gonna be the dust of the universe, and uh, you know what? That is the biggest bunch of malarkey. There it is. That's the hogwash if I ever heard it. Uh, you know, to say that we're not listen. When somebody has got the idea that there is no life after death and any shape, form, or fashion, they may not fear death, but I'll tell you, I wouldn't want to live that way. Think about it. As a matter of fact, I said this once a few years ago, and I still believe it, that to me that's even worse than the thought of dying and going to hell, is to not exist at all, to be without existence, to be as if you were never here to begin with i tell you, that that's a frightening thought. But a lot of people take comfort in that. Oh, when I die, I'm just going to die and there's not going to be nothing. Well, what are they saying? With hell, they're in agreement. Most people are in agreement with hell because they will tell you, oh, hell is not where you go when you die. Hell is here on earth. Just look at our, just look at the, uh, just look at the areas of our large cities where things are uh, just coming apart and coming unglued and uh, and just look at those who are living as slaves to addiction and, and prostitution and look at the life that they live, that's hell, it's here on earth and so dying is not really so bad because we get to move away from the hell that we have here on earth. Let me tell you something, I know that there are a lot of people in difficult circumstances, living hard lives, broken lives, lives that I would never want anyone that I know, care about, or love in any shape, form, or fashion to have to live the life that they have. But let me tell you something. If you die without Jesus Christ and you go into eternity in hell, it's going to be a million times worse than what they've experienced here on earth. Nothing is better. There's not anything that's going to be worse than hell or better than heaven. This is not, not possible. So these people have convinced themselves and others that they don't have to worry about death because death is just dying and not existing and hell is here on earth and they don't have to worry about it. So they say when the overflowing scourge shall pass through it won't come to us now this is where it gets a little confusing because he says for we have made lies our refuge and under falsehood have we hid ourselves what they're saying is is we've come out from under now and you're gonna some of you are gonna know exactly what i'm talking about when i when i say this but they're gonna say we've come out from under all the lies of religion and we've been enlightened (laughs) we've been enlightened i tell you I really want to win people like that to the Lord. I really, really do. But I've got to get over my anger when they say such things. <laughs> Cause I, I you know, honest, I really I just I really want to strangle them at that point. Now don't I'm, I'm not, I promise, okay? <laughs> I don't have a spirit of strangling or a spirit of slapping that comes away. But it, it, it just, it's overwhelming to me that, that, that they can take the truth of the word of God and say, there's the lie. How many times have you heard on the news in the last few years that, you know, it is this, uh, it's this fundamentalist Christianity that's causing all the problems in this country. Really? Because when we were living under the fundamental principles of the Word of God, it seemed to me we had a whole lot less violence. You know, I don't, I don't see any members of the Baptist church necessarily uh, out there burning buildings and setting cars on fire and, you know, and, and shooting people in the streets. I certainly hope you weren't in that group. Amen. My uncle used to say... We're not militant. We just love the Lord, you know. We love each other and we love a lost and dying world. No, no. They are kidding themselves. They are calling us liars because that's the only way they can find any comfort in themselves. And Isaiah is confronting them. Let me tell you something. You remember what we read in the book of Ecclesiastes? Remember, remember what the preacher said in Ecclesiastes? The preacher said that he looked around and he found that, now listen, you remember these words? There is nothing new under the sun. You remember those words? And I've heard, I've heard so many people say, how foolish a statement. There are so many new things in our world. Technology has taken us all over the place. And I remember what my dad used to say. My dad used to say, you can take a criminal and you can educate him. And when he gets fully educated, what you're going to have is one really smart criminal. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the heart of man is never any different. Jeremiah told us, he said, why, it's deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Who can know this wicked heart of man? It's never going to change. The only thing that will change the wicked heart of man is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ being applied to their life. That's the only thing that will change it. But hallelujah, it will change it every time. (laughs) If the blood of Christ is applied every single time a sinner uh, prays for God to forgive them and cleanse them and make them part of you. You know, the Lord just takes them in. Jesus said, of all those that come unto me, I don't cast them out. Aren't you glad of that? Man, I'm glad when I was 12 years old and walked down the aisle at Rose Lane Baptist Church, I'm glad the Lord didn't just kick me out. I'm I'm glad the Lord didn't say, you're you're worthless now, you're going to be worthless later. I, I just don't have time for you. And I've thought about that. I haven't been the greatest servant of God. I haven't, I haven't really, you know, made my mark on the kingdom of heaven. I'm just an old-fashioned preacher preaching the book to the best of my knowledge. There's thousands that can do it better. There's thousands that know more than I do. But God loved me and saved me anyway. And the reason I'm preaching is because he was willing to save a sinner like me. Amen? I'm just overwhelmed. And I'm also dry mouth, so give me a minute. let's close it out. Notice what he, uh, well, I got, I, got to, I got to give this illustration because especially what's happened over the last few days. He says in this passage of Scripture, uh, they said this, let me back up. They says, when the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us, for we've made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Now, Look down at verse number 17. Judgment also will I lay to the line in righteousness to the plummet. And by the way, that means, that means a, as straight uh, as a level wall and a level floor. That's what he's doing. The plummet uh, is to make the wall straight up and down. And, uh, and the line is to make the floor perfectly level. And he said that's the way. I, Listen, God does not judge us on the curve. Amen. God doesn't judge us on the curve. That's why nobody can stand before God without the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you think you're going to stand before God in your own goodness, oh, I've been good enough to get to heaven. I'm afraid not. It's not going to work. When they lay the, when they lay the plummet, to your life and when they lay the line to your life and they show what righteousness and justice truly is, you are not, not going to measure up. It's impossible. Your wall is gonna be crooked and your floor is gonna be slanted. There is no way you're gonna measure up to the perfection of God. The only way you can, uh, you can have any hope of entering in the kingdom of heaven is through the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ our Lord. Only way, only way. But notice what what he says here in verse number 17. Judgment will I lay uh, to the line, and righteousness to the plummet and the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies and waters shall overflow the hiding place. We saw the, um, I'm sure everyone here has seen the horrific images uh, of what's going on in Turkey right now with, with the earthquake that's killed over 33,000 people now, they said. 33,000 people dead in, in one earthquake in Turkey, in Turkey and Syria. It, it, it's, it's horrendous. And I've seen the scenes of it. Now, as I see the scenes of it, when these buildings crumble and fall and, and they, they turn into nothing but rubble, pieces that are not much bigger than my hogwash here, sometimes even smaller than that, like gravel being poured out, you know what? It finds everything. There's not a crack. There's not a crevice. There's not a place that it doesn't start to fill. You remember the tsunami a number of years ago that happened uh, over in, uh, in Asia? The water filled everything everything it carried every there was nothing that it didn't find these people are saying oh no no we know the lies of, of religion and, and and when the when the overflowing of judgment comes we're gonna be just fine and God tells Isaiah you tell them there's not a place there's not a crack there's not a crevice there's not a hole in the ground there's not a place in the sky that they're going to be able to escape the judgment of God. Don't kid yourself. God has said it many ways. Many different ways God has said the same thing. You will not escape the judgment of God if you are outside of the person of Jesus Christ. If you are lost. And and I've thought about this so many times. So many times. I've thought about the people that I knew that I liked, and, and yet I never knew for sure that they came to salvation. I tell you, it breaks my heart. It really does. Because I cannot find a justification anywhere in Scripture for saying, Oh, well, they tried to do the best they could do. They'll be all right. Folks, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what God says. That person that's lost, that person that's without Christ, they're in danger of hellfire this very moment. And yes, I, I know, I know it's old-fashioned to believe that hell is the way it's described in the scripture and that it's a place of torments, that it's never-ending, and it's a place of fire. But let me tell you something. I was reading about four or five years ago I was reading uh, someone that many of our brethren would certainly not agree with. Uh, New Evangelical would be the best way to describe the writer that was writing this particular book that I was reading. And the reason I was reading this book is because it was about hell, and I wanted to get, you know, I wanted to get from him what he believed about hell. And I think it was about the fifth chapter of the book. He talked about being in a, in a coffee shop where everybody was working on their computers. You know, that was what they were there, kind of like an Internet cafe type thing. And he said he was sitting there and he looked at them and he said he asked himself the question, Are these people, do I really believe these people are on their way to hell if they don't know Jesus? And then he said this, and I asked myself the question, Can I justify believing that there's no fire in hell? And this is what the new evangelical guy said. He said, if I believe the word of God, and I do, I cannot justify anyone believing in a hell that is not eternal and that is not filled with torments. And it does not contain fire. He said, Jesus is a liar if that's not true. Jesus is a liar. Do you know we know more about hell from Jesus than any other place in the scripture? He talked about it more than any other prophet, more than any other writer, more than any other individual. Jesus, it almost seemed that he was obsessed with the topic. Why do you think that's so true? Because Jesus loved us so much that he did not want us to go there. And he did not want our friends and our relatives to go there. And he did not want our community to be doomed for eternity in hell. Jesus loved us enough to tell us the truth. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to bring the Word of God tonight. I pray that it might settle in our heart and in our soul. Lord, I know our minds are, uh, are, are filled and our lives are busy today. But Lord, I pray that we might be able to draw from the Scripture something that will motivate us as Christians. Motivate us as born again, washed in the blood believers, on our way to glory, to look at our world in a, in a more urgent light to look around us and realize that if we don't tell them about Jesus nobody will and if we don't warn them of hell they're almost certain to make their way there Lord let us not wait for another let us not put it off to another time but Lord let us dedicate ourselves as Isaiah dedicated himself to speaking to those who need to hear the truth Lord I would imagine that isaiah was fully aware of the repercussions of what he was saying he was well acquainted with speaking to kings and the courts and the nobles lord he knew the power that they had on earth but he respected the power that god had in glory and had in eternity far greater and he was willing to speak the truth because it needed so desperately to be heard let us speak the truth so that it can be heard. We pray it in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Let's sing together. In a place
4: called